You are Locked On Packers. He did what? Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Cousins is taken Part down. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Aaron Jones Your team broken it open every with day. a dagger of a run. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today's episode of Crossover Thursday is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. As I said, crossover Thursday, Luke Braun is here to talk about the Minnesota Vikings, mostly talk about what Minnesota is going to do moving forward, potential trade pieces, coaching decisions, and of course, we're going to break down the matchups in this game. We've seen this game already, and it does seem strange to be playing it so soon. We haven't even gotten to the midway point in the Packers season. And they'll have played the Vikings twice. That seems a little strange. And it certainly was strange for me to talk about. I'm used to, you know, three months in between these things. It's a little bit of a scheduling quirk. The Packers will end up playing the Bears in the same sort of fashion in the second half of the season. And that it's just not even a COVID thing. It's just how the schedule happened to break this year. And sometimes that's that happens. So Luke and I will talk about the matchup coming up. I want to start the show, though, with something that is really the topic du jour on Packers Twitter, and that is the trade deadline. And the reason I want to bring it up is the the Seahawks made a trade for Carlos Dunlop, the, the Bengals pass rusher, in a move that brings them some much-needed pressure off the edge. Now, Dunlop has not had a good season in 2020, but he was very good last year. And we could just chalk it up to unhappiness. He didn't want to be in Cincinnati, made that very clear. In fact, after the loss last week, uh, openly marketed his house. (laughs) And you can understand why he would be much happier and much more motivated in Seattle. But let's focus on the Packers specifically. Reports from The Athletic on Wednesday said the Packers were one of the teams to call on Houston Texans receiver Will Fuller. This coming from Aaron Reese, who covers the Texans. Certainly, if there were other teams involved, you'd think that they would have been reported. Could this be leverage, or could it just be that Green Bay is the most interested or has had the most substantive talks with Houston? We don't know. On yesterday's show, we talked about the Zacherts, potential trade. Green Bay made phone calls there. Ultimately, no deal was able to be made because Ertz was hurt and had to go on IR. These are big swings. Think back to the draft. We know the Packers wanted to make a big play in the draft. Brian Gutekunst 
said it outright. They loved this receiver group. They felt like they wanted to get some players here. The, all the reporting around this team said they want to get a free agent pass catcher. They want to get a draft pass catcher. This team wanted to get a player who could move the needle. But what did they say after the draft when they didn't get one? Brian Gutekind said, we felt like the players in this locker room were better than the guys that we could go out and get after a certain point. The first round broke in a ridiculous, crazy kind of way, and a million receivers go off the board before Green Bay has a chance to pick. And they decide that their best move is to take Jordan Love. And whether it's hope that one of the guys they like falls or see if they can maneuver up in the second round to get one of these guys that they still prize. According to the reporting from Peter King and others, the Packers had a couple names that they really liked. They were never able to get up to be in position to draft them in the second round. And from there... The decision was made that the guys on their roster were more likely to pan out than the guys in the draft. And it's hard to blame them for that second part. Now, that doesn't justify A.J. Dillon. I have said for weeks that the positional value there, months really, that the positional value there just doesn't make sense. Uh, Running back in the second round when you could have had an offensive tackle, you could have had a corner, could have had a pass rusher even. Uh, it, a running back, it just doesn't make sense unless you think he's an absolute star. And even then, I I, I have some questions. Uh, A.J. Dillon, in, in his first extended action on Sunday, did not look like a star. Now, that, of course, does not mean he won't be one. But it, it is worth wondering what they thought the value there was. But all of this is to say, this is very clear now what Green Bay's strategy is. Is When they look at their team, they see, and I think rightly, they see a star quarterback, a star running back, a star receiver, a a very, very good offensive line. So far this year, the best offensive line in football, even with the, the hiccup in Tampa Bay. They see the rest of their receiving group, and I, I would include Alan Lazard in the top part and not this part, beyond Lazard. Because Lazard has legitimately been awesome this year. They see guys like MVS and EQ as developmental players. And then you see Malik Taylor and Darius Shepard. They're just guys. Upgrading the, whether it's developmental player or just guy, roster spot. Does not seem to be a priority. And what they want is a big swing. What they want is a needle-moving change at these positions. So that means guys like Curtis Samuel and even, I think, Kenny Stills or maybe even Jamison Crowder qualifies in this space where it's like, okay, you're upgrading your wide receiver three, but, you know, it's a marginal upgrade. It's... These developmental guys who know the system, it's going to take whoever comes in a couple weeks to figure it out. He may or may not gain the trust of Aaron Rodgers, and it's a whole thing, right? You have this institutional knowledge from guys like MVS and EQ and Darius Shepard and Malik Taylor, even if they're, whether it's not as talented in the case of Taylor and Shepard or 
they're just not as refined, not as polished, or not as good. I mean, Marquez Valdez-Scantling has had a lot of opportunities and has not produced in a lot of these situations. Um, That's troubling. And it's troubling that EQ can't even get on the field. Now, he's still practicing a lot in these these limited fashions. He may not be 100%, and, and the team is just like, look, you know, he's sort of a breaking case of emergency kind of guy. But I understand saying, well, it doesn't really change the trajectory of our team very much, so let's not worry about allocating resources there. If you could get Curtis Samuel for a fourth-round pick or a fifth-round pick, I would do it. I would do it. Make your Try and make your team better. You're under no obligation to throw the ball to that guy or hand the ball to that guy just because you made a trade for him. You're really not. You're, you're taking a swing. You're buying a lottery ticket. To me, that makes sense and it would be worth it. On the other hand, I understand Green Bay's perspective of saying, look, if we trade for Will Fuller, Aaron Rodgers can't not throw to that guy. He's too talented when he's on the field. He can get open. He can get deep. He changes the geometry of the offense because he can be MVS, only more reliable, more consistent, and can do more things on the field, more dynamic with the ball in his hands, more dynamic down the field. It's just a different element that you're adding. He he basically becomes wide receiver two, and maybe he's 2A and Lazard is 2B, or maybe you flip that, however you want to you want to make that work, that kind of talent is undeniable. There's a great Steve Martin quote, be so good they can't ignore you. I think that's what the Packers are looking for at the receiver position. They wanted the big ticket item. They wanted the first round pick. They wanted the blue chip talent. And when they ran out of blue chip talent at the top of the first round, they took the player that they thought was a blue chip talent, the quarterback. And they felt like there was a gap, and so they waited. And then the guys that they thought was in that next tier didn't end up working out. You can't get them. Well, everyone after that falls into that MVS EQ genre for them. Now, this is them speaking, not necessarily how I would have approached it. But I can understand them saying that. I would have taken Brian Edwards. I would have taken Josh Jones. There are a bunch of guys in the second round I would have taken before I would have taken A.J. Dillon. That's true of Josiah DeGuara. Doesn't mean those guys can't be good players. They absolutely can be good players. And they can be useful. And and they can bring value to the Packers. And of course, Green Bay is hoping that they do that. And you are no doubt hoping that they do that. Well within your rights. But I think... We can say, look, there there may have been better ways to play this. There may have been better value propositions in the draft. What Green Bay was saying was, okay, the receiver position, if we couldn't get the big guy, the big ticket item, then let's focus on other positions where we feel like either short-term or long-term the value is there. Running back, they're going to need a running back in a year. Okay? So, no, they could they felt like they couldn't get someone who could help them in 2020 so they got someone who can be a tertiary piece in 2020 and then a more of a focal point in 2021 the same is true when you look at Josiah Deguara it's a little bit of the reverse he could get on the field right away contribute in 2020 be a useful versatile player but the upside even if he's Kyle Yuschek is you know not super impactful Overall, Kyle Yushek is a very good player. He does a lot of really important things for the 49ers. You could take Kyle Yushek off the 49ers offense, give them George Kittle and Debo Samuel and, and Kyle Shanahan, and they would be just fine, right? 
They've taken Josiah DeGuara off the field in Green Bay, and the offense has kept on keeping on. It's not been that big a deal. They are That's what they're looking for, and if they can't find it, it doesn't seem like anyway that they're going to pull a trigger on one of these secondary moves. That's what Seth Roberts is. And we are going to talk about Seth Roberts at the end of the show. That's what he is. He's the, all right, let's just churn the bottom of the roster. Get him on the practice squad. And then he can come in and he can play for Malik Taylor when he's up to speed. Or he can play for Darius Shepard when he's up to speed. And, you know, that's just a veteran guy that can come in and and you don't have to worry about him. He's not a needle mover. You can get those guys. What you can't get are the big ticket frontline players. And that's the kind of deal Green Bay is looking to make. And if you're looking to make a deal for new parts for your car, Rock Auto has got you covered. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oils, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, rockauto.com always has reliably low prices, the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same auto parts. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us section so they know we sent you. Locked on Packers, locked on Vikings, Luke Braun from Locked on Vikings joining me. And it, it does feel like we just did this, Luke. Yep. I can't wait to die again to the Packers. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, things uh, for a little while there looked like they were going to get a little bit better. The Vikings were competitive in some of these games, barely lost, uh, but they still lost. And they've lost a lot, and they continue to lose on and off the field. The injury report on Wednesday, uh, I don't even know who's going to – you might have to play cornerback on Sunday. I I don't really know (laughs) what the situation is going to be there. Uh, they, they just announced Daniel Hunter is not going to be back. That's not surprising. They trade Yanni Kingakwe. So what are we doing? What's happening <laughs> in Minnesota? Uh, so with the cornerbacks, um, yeah. So Cameron Dantzler is on COVID IR, uh, that he could be one of those things where he was like exposed into negative tests later. He could come back, uh, at this, as of this recording, we're not quite sure, but I'm, I'm sure you can kind of pencil that he'll be out. Um, Holton Hill didn't practice on Wednesday. Mike Hughes still not practicing with a neck injury. And that's super, super concerning. Uh, so yeah, there's, uh, we're, we're down to our depth here. You're going to have, uh, Jeff Gladney, who's had an up and down season though. I think he's coming along, you know, just rookie corner, no preseason. All the rookie corners are kind of struggling this year. Um, and then yeah. you have Harrison hand also a rookie corner. He's a fifth round pick and Chris Boyd, who was a seventh round pick last year, who hasn't really shown much either are going to be your starting corners. You, I mean, this is the third team secondary. So, uh, yeah, by Devonte Adams shares. Well, the good news is um, they invested before the season a lot in the pass rush. That's <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, and then they that's uninvested the in the pass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. 
Well, okay, it's it's interesting, right? Because when they traded for Unique Ngakwe, they were like, well, this is going to take all the pressure off the young corners. We know the young corners aren't going to do that well, and that's going to be, you know, we're going to take all the pressure off of them. And then they trade Unique Ngakwe, and they're like, yeah, we thought it was the best thing for the team, and it was like way more vague. And it's very clear that it's like, okay, we're just like having our corners learn by fire because this season is like packed in. That's that's my take on on how it's going. Like they're one in five. They don't have any good players left. You know, Hunter's out, Anthony Barr's out. They have like two good safeties and Eric Hendricks, and like that is it. So they're just they're packing it in and they'll get Michael Pierce back from opt out next year. They get uh, Daniel Hunter out off of back off of that herniated disc. They get Anthony Barr back and we're going to try this again next year. Um, but I think it's going to be a bit of a youth movement and this is going to look a lot more like a week 17 matchup than than a week eight matchup. Yeah, although, you know, they, they do have some young players to be excited about. Justin Jefferson has been a Pro Bowl level player. I mean, he's been as advertised, oh, yeah. awesome, unbelievable. So at least they have that moving forward. There's been some discussion that maybe Adam Thielen could be on the trade block. I, I guess some of these guys, I understand why you'd want to move on from. I don't understand why Thielen would be one of those guys. Uh, the one, the one player. Yeah, I don't go ahead. think they're going to do that. I I don't think they're going to do that. The, that rumor, the only version of that rumor I've seen doesn't seem uh, substantiated. Well, not only not substantiated, but it doesn't seem prudent either. The one guy that I'm sure. that I'm wondering about, and I know that you know it's it's a guaranteed money thing, but why not if if they're not going to resign him and he's just going to walk, why not see what they can get for someone like Anthony Harris? Yeah, I think that's on the block. They have tried to do the sign and trade in the off season, so I'm sure that's the, that those talks are happening. Um, I think the Vikings want a little more for him, and I don't think it's out of the cards to extend him either, uh, right. especially now that you don't necessarily... I mean, he's the only player this offseason that is like worth extending. You extended Cook already, so that's off. Uh, you got rid of Unique Ngakwe. He was going to be the other one you'd try to extend. The only player that they're really going to like try to extend is Anthony Harris. Maybe they like tender Ifadio Denebo or something, but otherwise it's all small potatoes all the way down the line. So I don't know if that's out of the cards. Um, I, I kind of think all the options are still on the table with Anthony Harris and either nobody's bitten yet or, uh, you know, nobody has uh, given the offer that the Vikings want. And yeah, I, I still think extending him is absolutely in the cards. I know that they are really, really high on him. They, they he's really, really good. Love having him in the organization. Yeah. He, he's a really and good player. So I'm sure they want to keep him. Yeah. If they could figure out the money, I think they want to keep him. I, I was looking at their cap situation for next year. And, and I do want to ask a little bit about what's going on this weekend, but um, oh boy. one of the few things that looked like was a place where they could actually save some money. Uh, I don't, I don't know if this plays into what could happen at the trade deadline or not. But the one big place they could they could save some money on on base salary because the guarantees are out is the guy who plays next to Anthony Harris. Oh, I thought you were going to say Riley Reef. <laughs> uh, that's totally an option. Yeah, I think Harrison Smith is in the Adam Thielen category for the team where yeah. it's like and he's an untouchable. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're just he's like the total leader of the team. I mean, it would be it, it would be uh, like getting rid of, you know, J.J. Watt on the Texans. Right. Um, so I, I don't the think that would they welcome. would do that, but I, it's, it's a huge, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's a huge restructure candidate. Um, there's like no guaranteed money on it. Right. So it's one that you could restructure, kind of give him a little veteran extension kind of thing. You know, the, the, you're going to retire a Viking kind of contract thing. They could do that. They could get rid of Riley reef. I know there's a lot of talk about like, uh, there's a lot of people proposing that they trade Riley reef, especially if you think Ezra Cleveland, uh, can get some of those reps at left tackle and you can kind of get him, get his feet wet that way. You know, the Titans just lost a, a tackle. So there's a lot of talk about that. 
Um, there are definitely places on this roster that you can save some some cap space. But I think in terms of salary cap, I think this is just going to be one of those off seasons where you don't really do much. They're not losing a lot of players. And I think, um, you know, unless they're really, really scrapping it, tearing it, rebuilding uh, and, and going like all full on Sashi Browns with this, then I, I don't think that they're going to have a very big budget to like fulfill. I don't think they're going to try to do a lot. So in terms of what we're actually going to see on Sunday, they're going to field a roster that's going to look weird. It's going to look weird, even to Vikings fans, because it's going to be a lot of names that it's like, wait, who is that again? Remind me. And offensively, though, they still have a lot of their their main guys. Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, sure. Dalvin Cook, uh, Kirk Cousins, and and sort of the the cornerstones of the offensive line offensively. They can they can pretty much look the way they want theoretically, except for you know getting out of game script because of what the defense does. Yeah, or what what Kirk Cousins decides to sure what whatever weird performance art he decides to put in. <laughs> Listen, the offense I think can be really efficient. Um, <laughs> the the offense can be really efficient, right? You've got two very good wide receivers. Yep. You've got Kyle Rudolph. He's a red zone target. You have Irv Smith, who's had I mean he's had his games where he can get you know his five catches, be the role player you want from him. Um, even Ola B.C. Johnson, the fit, the wide receiver three, is a decent weapon. And of course, you've got the Dalvin Cook running game. And honestly, the offensive line has had the guards have been very bad. They get Pat Elfline back off of IR this week. He hasn't been great, but he hasn't been the disaster that like the backups were there. Dakota Dozier hasn't also been great, but like that's really uh, something that is surmountable. Um, so, you know, they have they have a, a decent roster there and they've been able to move the ball all year and turn these games into shootouts. Um, you know, I, I think the the thing that has sunk them is that Kirk Cousins throws some mind boggling interception on the first play of the drive and gives you first and 10 on the 25 yard line. And then the defense gives up the touchdown. And then suddenly, you know, by the end of the first quarter, it's 24 to six and you have no idea what happened. So I, I think if Kirk Cousins can limit those mistakes, which we have not seen yet this year, but that's going to be what it requires for the Vikings to kind of get into a game and actually be competitive in this thing is for Kirk Cousins to not piss away the game in the first two seconds of it. Yeah, and I think in, in a lot of ways, there's some similarities last week uh, with an offense that is capable of, of putting up points in a defense that, you know, really doesn't scare you, despite the fact that there are some star players on it. Last week, it was J.J. Watt. This week, it's guys like Harrison Smith and, and Eric Kendricks. And, and Oh, yeah. The, the defense has three good players and a bunch of backups. The defense yeah. should not scare you. And and it, it, given the, what the Packers did to it in week one, I don't think they're going to be scared of it. But the second time no, through, it's a worse iteration. The, the worst second time through, Mike Zimmer. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has the utmost respect for Mike Zimmer. Um, and and said so again on Wednesday was just like there's there's absolutely no reason for Mike Zimmer to be on the hot seat. He's one of the best coaches in the league. Those two are um, they have a they have a bromance that is uh, un, unmatched in in recent Packers Vikings history. <laughs> I do I do wonder adversarial respect. Yes, of course they they really do. I think also just like like to get after one another, but then after it's done, it's just like yeah, you're great. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, th- there has been some discussion about letdown potential because they they go to San Francisco in four days after this game. Oof. I would, oh yeah, under normal circumstances, I would say like if we flip these games, right? If the Packers had played the Vikings last week and the Texans this week, you'd say okay, well, th- they might be overlooking the Texans because they're ready for the 49ers. Uh, from your perspective, you don't expect the Packers to to let down in a situation. It's still Packers Vikings. The Vikings really would love to beat the Packers and the Packers would really love to beat the hell out of the Vikings. 
Yeah, and the, the Vikings-Packers games, you know, when one team is good and one team is bad, have always been closer right. than they're supposed yep. to be. That's just a division rival thing. You know, never never uh, underestimate a road divisional opponent because they, yeah, they know each other well. And you just listen to the way the Packers talk about the Vikings. They they are not looking at the Vikings and going, ha look at this one in five crappy team. They know that the Vikings have something to them. Two of those losses were one point. They're not quite themselves and stuff like that. I, I don't think the Packers would, like, overlook the Vikings or anything like that. But here's the thing. I don't think they're going to have to work very hard. The Packers can go to the same thing they always go to. Just throw everything to Devontae Adams, manufacture 15 (laughs) touches for him and watch him get 180 yards. The Vikings haven't been able to stop that for like two and a half years. Why would they change it? Well, and and just as the, the injury report for the Vikings on Wednesday especially was troubling, Green Bay got just about everyone back. David Bakhtiari, Alan Lazard, Christian Kirksey, Darnell Savage, Tyler Irvin, like everyone that was out. They were out half a dozen starters on Sunday. Those guys were all back at practice. So um, just something to keep in mind. I I think it's going to be a a better game than maybe the records say it should be. I probably, yeah. Um, I I don't know. I mean, we'll get to to picks in a little bit. I, I don't know about like covering or anything like that. Um, but yeah, if you have five and one versus one and five, you would usually expect a multi-score victory. I don't think that's locked in. Last I checked, the line was Packers minus seven and a half. I have uh, negative faith <laughs> in my Vikings. Uh, I really do think that they stink and they're getting worse every week. So I'm, I'm going with the Packers to cover. I, I can't pick these Vikings to cover until they prove to me that they're an, they can be an NFL team for 60 minutes. That I think especially yet. with with the injury reports the way that they are, uh, it is it is really hard to pick the Vikings here on the road um, to cover. It, it is, you know, a touchdown of seven and a half, especially if it gets to seven or less, you have to just be like, nope, it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be green Bay. Um, and, and if you like a, a teaser, maybe you, you tease the Packers in a game like this, if, in, if you're worried, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be worried. Uh, I think this is a game. The Packers win in a very similar fashion to week one. I could definitely see it. it. Interestingly, over under is 52 and a half. That kind of looks tasty. I, I kind of want that over. I feel like the Packers could hang 50 of it by themselves. I mean, they they got to 40 in week one. It does seem like the Packers and the over <laughs> right. is, is a nice uh, same game parlay. If you're if you're into that kind of thing, I, I think it's still going to be a competitive game, at least for a half. I, I just like I, I hate to pick a blowout in a division game. And, and I just know that. I'll hear about it if I do that. So I'm I'm trying to hedge my bets a little bit here, Luke. No, I feel that it's a division game. It's weird, um, but I I I'd back you up on that. Listen, the, the Vikings haven't played 60 minutes of of NFL football yet. They've they in some games they've played 55 minutes of NFL football and came within a point, but then they have these ridiculous 21 points in two minutes kind of meltdowns, and they haven't been able to get through an afternoon without that happening to them. So unless this is the first time this season that happens, which would just be a stroke of bad luck, I think the Packers could sleepwalk their way to this one. The Vikings just aren't putting up any resistance. I did make a joke on Twitter that was like a 25% joke that the Packers should just start Tim Boyle and stir up some trade interest. Hey, they lost to Matt Moore last year. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I uh, I wish you luck on your um, the rest of the season talking about the NFL draft. And uh, we'll, we'll talk again soon. <laughs> hey, we're talking about coaching candidates, too. I love it. It's not I love just it. a draft podcast. <laughs> Take care, Peter. See you, Luke. 
Before we finish up, today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. Today's episode is also brought to you by the Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin. With the power of academic medicine, the Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin Health Network makes more possible, more humanly possible for patients, more innovations that lead to life-saving treatments, more breakthroughs for complex diseases, and more locations across the region so that academic medicine is never far. But what exactly is academic medicine anyway? First, it's rare. The Freighter Medical College of Wisconsin Health Network is Eastern Wisconsin's only academic health system. Academic medicine makes possible leading-edge primary and specialty care, research to find groundbreaking cures, and the education of the next generation of healthcare professionals. Academic medical centers provide greater access to clinical trials, which can lead to breakthrough treatments and life-saving drugs. Freighter and MCW physicians have been a part of many scientific discoveries of new ways to prevent and diagnose and treat diseases. It all adds up to more possibilities. And when we do everything humanly possible, you can too. To learn more, visit www.freighter.com. All right. As promised, we are going to talk a little bit about Seth Roberts. Seth Roberts signed to the practice squad and he was cut in Carolina after getting a deal bigger than Devin Funches got from the Green Bay Packers. But he was playing under 20% of snaps and was cut after uh, what seems like he ran the wrong route on a decisive play against the Saints last week. Now, was he cut because of that? We don't know, although it is the case that new coaching staffs often like to put their mark on teams this way. Oh, well, you know, it, it's a it's a statement being made. And, and the same thing is true uh, of coaching staffs, especially ones that are like, we're going to be tough I'm trying to set a culture, those kinds of things. And, and every coach says they're they're trying to do that. But coaches coming from college in particular, they like to think that that they wield a heavy stick and, and that makes them more liable to use it. When you look at Robert's career, he has been a reliable player for most of his career. And that starts back in Oakland. You know, he was starting half the games, a third of the games pretty consistently. 2015 through 2018, he ultimately leaves, joins Baltimore in 2019, and, and has a nice season as a secondary player, uh, right in line with, with, with his career averages, 7.7 .7 yards per target. He was just not a big part of what Carolina was trying to do. Has experience in the slot, has experience getting the ball down the field, uh, is not you know going to be someone at 6'2", 195. He's not someone who's going to you know mimic what you have with MVS. Is not going to be Alan Lazard. He's he's a different kind of player, but but could play that sort of big slot role. Doesn't fix some of the geometry issues that you have if MVS is your 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 play to play deep threat guy. But as I said at the start of the show. If you're looking for someone who can just come in and be solid, can just upgrade the back end of your roster, can just be better than Malik Taylor or Darius Shepherds, that's Seth Roberts. And that's why I think it makes sense. Okay, you you sign Seth Roberts and you've made that roster churn move. Now try and find that big move. 
I think that's what the Packers are going to continue to try and do. And I don't think Seth Roberts is Ryan Grant because Roberts is a more established player in the league. He's someone who I think has a better chance of coming in and and becoming an actual part of the active roster and and doing something uh, in a game. Does he move the needle? No, not really. We would have talked about him much sooner if I thought that would be the case. So I think we'll learn a lot about how this team feels about him based on you know, his his status on the 53 and how quickly he assimilates into this team moving forward. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. We're going to be live tomorrow at 5.30 Central Time on Periscope. And of course, the podcast will be up a little bit later. And if you want to contribute a question to that, a comment, hit me up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.